everybody, and welcome back to Beware the Artist. I am Jeremy Jersa, and with me this week, I have Cindy Chang. Um, Cindy, if you want to go ahead and tell everybody who you are and what is it that you do. Okay. Um, hi, Jeremy. Uh, so thank you for having me. Um, again, I really, I really appreciate it. Um, uh, so uh, my name is Cindy, um, and I'm a, I'm an artist and uh, also a, a, a a uh, faculty member at the Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore. Um, I, I guess I started at, in my studio um, making mostly drawings, um, just using like, like graphite, charcoal, um, and slowly that kind of like morphed into a more interdisciplinary practice. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of just sort of broad overview, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. So in you've already just kind of right off the bat hit on it. Your practice kind of grows and expands from drawing to sculpture to projection to installation. Um, you're working with so many different mediums. Um, are you kind of choosing the medium to react to an idea you're trying to get across? Or is it more your having this idea first and then saying, okay, this fits into my practice this way? Um, it's a, it's, it varies, you know, I think I'm really, uh, something that I've discovered um, doing all of these kind of like experiments and just playing around a lot is that I'm really a materialist. Um, I respond to stuff, you know, like material stuff and playing around with it, uh, you know, figuring out how to use it in ways that are um, not just conventional, you know, um, uh, learning new skill sets um, that help me kind of like broaden my understanding of material. Um, so I think that usually I'm constantly kind of like uh, playing around with um, just sort of like, like new things, you know, and I think like that's kind of where I'm happiest um, is just kind of like fiddling around and and doing these kind of like experiments, you know, and moving relatively quickly from uh, one playful thing to another. Um, and then uh, while I'm doing that, I'm also I watch a lot of TV. <laughs> I listen to a lot of radio and podcasts. So I think um, that really infiltrates, uh, you know, um, my, the way that I work uh, with these materials. And then I think that kind of seeds ideas and concepts um, into the objects that I'm making or the surfaces that I'm creating, the way that I'm working with um, scale combination, you know, stuff like that. So, so I guess, I mean, I guess usually it, it starts with sort of just like play, you know, and then I, I, I'm, kind of like, you know, constantly allowing outside stimuli to come in. Um, and then that kind of influences what happens with that play. And then eventually that develops into, um, you know, more solid uh, projects that then evolve. So it's kind of, it's a pretty organic process. Um, I think there's only been several occasions where um, maybe like an idea has come first, you know, um, or an image comes into my mind and mm -hmm. I like, you know, pursue that, but that's pretty rare. 
So are you, is this kind of experience with the exploration of materials, is that just kind of, you know, um, a bunch of play that's happening in the studio or are you planning these things out like in a sketchbook or does it just kind of happen organically? It's very organic. I do not plan. It's actually kind of um, uh, gotten me into a little bit of trouble. I have <laughs> an amazing uh, uh, spouse and he is, he's trained as a sculptor. So he's kind of like saved my butt a few times where I've just sort of like, like fluidly worked myself into a corner and then I'm just like, oh no, I don't know how to actually like make this feasible in real mm -hmm. space, you know? And then he'll come in and be like, okay, we got to measure, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't plan. Um, I think I'm now that I've been working a little bit more with like larger scale structures and uh, installations that need to fit into a specific kind of space. Um, I, I do think I'm planning a little bit more. So like this summer, I made my first um, uh, model of a space, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, thankfully, it's just a square space, so it wasn't <laughs> very complicated. Um, and then I kind of like uh, worked out the types of objects that I wanted to, like the oh, kind of like the infrastructure, you know, mm -hmm. that I wanted to, to develop for that space. And then I went into the studio and I built it. But even then, things changed, you know, so like I had kind of like the measurements and I knew I needed to, to pretty much stick to that for it to fit into well I mean I haven't installed it yet so hopefully it fits we'll see um, <laughs> but so I, I knew that I had those parameters but in terms of like the materials and I uh, like now there's a projection and that was kind of like you know um, wasn't there initially and so there's all of these things that kind of um, happen spontaneously well, I wouldn't say, well, yeah, kind of spontaneously, you know, mm -hmm. um, or just, that just kind of like, I, I, I sort of like something happens and I think it's kind of interesting and then, or fun to do, you know? And so then I pursue that and then it works its way into the overall kind of like more schematic, um, you know, aspect of the, of the work. So overall, what, what kind of themes are you exploring in your uh, studio practice? Um, so right now, uh, <laughs> I am really fascinated. It's it's been I've been working with this for maybe like a, a year and a half now, I think, um, and it, it it sort of like uh, emerged slowly and then picked up speed. Uh, but conspiracy theories, fringe theories, and narratives, um, and I think like just considering what's been going on, it's just become this like really I think important. Um, phenomenon, you know, mm -hmm. like historical uh, thing um, in America. And well, I would say it's global, you know, but but definitely since we live here, this is our location, like, you know, it's just everywhere. Um, and it's, it's, it's going to be something that I think um, it, it has affected our history, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's not a trend, it's like, a, it's an impact, you know, um, an influence. So uh, like, I know, I, I, you know, since I listen to a lot of, um, uh, NPR and stuff like that, um, you know, there's, there's a commentary where it's like, you know, it, it, don't, like, don't, don't focus on the conspiracy theory. That's why it's picking up is that people talk about it a lot and it gets a lot of media attention, you know, mm -hmm. but I, I truly think that like it, it has become so ingrained in so many people's uh, idea of reality that 
you have to talk about it, you know, mm -hmm. like you have to look at it square in the face and think about it because ignoring it, I think is just going to allow it to continue to, to grow, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. But so that's something that I've been, I've been looking a lot more at recently. I think it's important to note that as we're recording this, it's only a few days after um, people stormed the Capitol building um, yeah. and, and took it over. Rioters took over and uh, were trying to stop the validation of our election system, um, yeah. which is, I, I'm, I'm still just speechless about it. Um, but, you know, feeding, fueling these ideas is, is something that so much of the, the current um, administration has just been lackadaisical about. They're, they're fueling this fire and they, they, they have no um, sense of remorse about it um, until it directly affects them. Absolutely. I mean, I would, I would even say that there are some significant members of the government leaders who aren't just like, uh, you know, allowing this to happen. They're fomenting it. You know, mm, like yeah. they're actively engaged in perpetuating these kind of like fringe theories that are so fantastical. It's actually hard to believe that people like believe in it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, I'm just like, it just blows me away. It's, it's a lot of like, I've heard a lot of uh, reporters be like, you know, it's, this is an, it's an awesome moment, you know, using the word awesome or uh, spectacular or, you know, words like that. Uh, in its literal sense, because it is, yeah. it is awesome. But I'm just like, can we please just call this like tragedy, you know, yeah. we, like use words that have maybe a little bit of an, a more, a more sort of like, um, uh, I guess negative or like it's censoring it, you know, mm -hmm. or, or sort of like just calling it out for being this sort of like, like malicious force that it is, you know, so yeah. So as an artist, do you feel as though you have a certain responsibility to uh, talk about these events and, and, and talk about these ideas within your work? Um, I, you know, that's a really, that's such a tricky question. Um, I want to talk about this in my work because I'm, I'm interested in it, you know, mm -hmm. um, like I'm interested in the power of narrative and how it can be used currently for uh, really destructive purposes, you know, but I think uh, many artists, not probably all artists are interested in, in narrative, are interested in uh, what is sort of what is reality, you know, mm -hmm. um, so I think there's a kind of like a, a natural sort ofness to, 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 there's a, I, I don't think it's a, it's a leap, you know, that I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I feel uh, compelled to sort of like reflect on this in right. what I'm doing right now. But I don't know if I would go so far as to say that I feel like it's a responsibility to do that. You know, um, I think that it's, I think that artists do have the, they are empowered. They have the ability to, uh, to stage or platform um, uh, sort of critical ways of critically thinking about uh, the current climate or uh, things that are happening in their communities, whether it's very local or on a, on a broader scale, you know, and I think that uh, it, it's a unique position to be in, you know, and so I, I really love when I see artists um, and designers uh, and writers, you know, um, uh, using their, their platform to do that, you know, their visibility to do mm -hmm. that, but I 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, you know, I think everyone should do that. I think people should do what they want to do with their practice, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it's, it's, an, it's there. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so you, you've, you've hit on it slightly a little bit before, but as you're making, as you're constructing in the studio space, um, what's what's going on? What's the atmosphere? You said you have podcasts. You might have some m- movies playing or or something. What's 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 that like? Yeah. Um, so in the studio, I always have either. Well, uh, currently my current. Well, you're you're in the in the crown complex, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so internet access and cell phone reception is very poor. Um, so I can't actually play the radio. So I just like download a whole bunch of um, uh, podcasts at home and then I bring them to the studio. Um, and I just constantly have that uh, on, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, right now I'm, I'm pretty much entirely listening to uh, things that have to do with... Um, like fringe fringe theories I won't even call them fringe anymore because they're mainstream you know Mm -hmm. but these kind of like alternative fact reality um yeah uh and like when I was a little bit uh you know more towards the beginning of developing this theme um or doing this kind of like loosely call it research you know um I was listening to uh podcasts that were specifically maybe talking about like QAnon, you know, and like, mm-hmm. like, okay, let's look at the, the, um, the narrative and the, the sort of like, um, the impetus behind Pizzagate, you know, and stuff like that. It was very specific, but I think now I, I'm more interested in thinking about like conspiracy theory and belief in it as a phenomenon. So something that's, it's, it's a little bit more distanced, um, and, maybe like trying to figure out a little bit more and I'm using my work to sort of like think through these things too um like in the moment you know so everything mm-hmm. is still kind of like it's pretty chaotic and so I think I'm, I'm trying to use my project to to for myself to make order out of that and and, and find some level of like understanding um mm-hmm. but uh so what I've been kind of like looking at and listening to right now is more like the why you know like why is this so compelling for people like why why do people i mean you know uh there have been conspiracy adherents who have admitted that like it doesn't matter if it's revealed that theories are are objectively false the truth mm-hmm. doesn't matter you know and that's just like such a crazy it's wild it's, it's wild it's wild because then it's just like there is no basis for conversation you know mm-hmm. like how do you connect with that kind of a demographic if um your your understanding of the world you know of society of, of everything like the fabric of that is is entirely different you know so i'm, I'm that's kind of more where my head's at right now is trying mm-hmm. to grow so the like larger it's a little bit of a larger um i think issue you know than just these like very specific um particular theories now arriving at this kind of uh mode of thinking and this theme that's that's arriving in your work would you say that was kind of a a natural progression from where your work was kind of before or do you do you identify your work as kind of project-based and kind of following these different themes as almost separate entities i think it's a it's very fluid you know so one thing kind of leads to the other they're all kind of part of uh uh i think uh larger 
kind of body of work, you know, um, and it definitely, they definitely feed, like I, I, I move from one idea to another idea to another idea in, in a very organic way, you know, so yeah, I don't see them as kind of like islands. Um, mm -hmm. It's really, it's cheesy. It's like an, it's a chaotic, crazy ocean, you know, uh -huh. and it's just like, yeah, so that's kind of how I see that. Um, how important is scale within your work? Because as I'm, as I've seen some of your installations, some of your sculptures, there are these little moments that might be a, um, like a, a face that's poking out of a, a bracket that attaches to something else. And then you come back and you step back and you see this larger form. And then you're constantly moving back and forth between this kind of macro and micro scale. Um, how, what, what's, um, what's going on with that for you? Um, I, I do really enjoy um sort of creating these opportunities for different levels of like viewing um and understanding a piece you know so like when you say you walk into a room and you see see like an object or an installation or something and you have one type of sort of perception of it from a distance and then as you move closer uh different things reveal themselves to you and it's almost like um there was this photo on Reddit recently that I think it was the like uh, the I think it was the Hubble or I, I don't know it was some telescope took this picture um, and you could continuously like zoom into it you know mm -hmm. and it just kept zooming and zooming and zooming yeah I love that you know um, just this sort of like uh, worlds within worlds you know and again I think even though that is uh, a way of working that I've been really kind of like invested in for. A, a while now it predates the the sort of interest in in conspiracy i think it's very apropos to um conspiracy conspiratorial thinking you know mm -hmm. yeah. um so yeah so i i really like that there's that that parallel and then just on kind of like a, a sort of sensory level you know um like i think that those are when i go and look at work you know um those are the works that i'm most fascinated by is like when you have uh there are sort of like you know um different layers of of reading something um depending on where you're located physically um in relation to that work who would you say are some of your kind of biggest artistic influences oh i look at so much art <laughs> and i i love pretty much everything i look at like everything i love like I'm on, I'm on Instagram a lot because uh -huh. you know, I just like looking at things and like Instagram artists, I love Instagram artists, you know, um, like they're fantastic. I mean, it's just sometimes work is just like really fun and silly, you know, and I've never seen those artists in a museum or like a gallery or they don't have like, like, you know, books that have been made about their work, you know, but I think that it's really, it's really fantastic to see that, you know, um, and then of course I, I look at like, like I love Theaster Gates, you know, um, and I, I love like Nicola L and who's, uh, I actually uh, just sort of more recently discovered her after she passed away and I saw like an obituary for her and there was like an image of her work. And I was really interested in, in sort of like the story of her career and then mm -hmm. like her, I, I don't know, anyway, so, but and then I looked into her and she's amazing, you know, and then I really, um, I think because of the type of work I'm doing now with these kind of like projections and thinking about the relationship between like uh, installation or, or sculpture and, and um, 
uh, light and image, um, moving image. I'm really interested in Tony uh, Ausler. I think I'm saying his name right. I'm not sure. Um, and then I also really like uh, Tishan Su, um, who just had a, a show at the uh, Sculpture Center in Long Island, and I wish mm -hmm. I could have seen that. Um, Jeffrey Gibson is amazing. You know, like there's so many. I could just like go on and on and on. But um, yeah. Uh, your mind's, your mind's just becoming a, a a big Rolodex, just filled with <laughs> uh, just all these artists, just nonstop. Yeah. Um, if if you would say that there's kind of one piece of art that you have to experience in person, maybe you already have um, that you um, have come across so far in your life before you die. What's one thing that you have to see? Oh boy. Um... <sighs> okay. I need, a, I need a, a second to think about this. The first thing that like popped into my head is the, pro I, I always forget this artist's name, James Terrell's project, um, never ending project with the crater. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I, but I don't, I don't know if he's ever gonna finish that, you know, and I, <laughs> I don't even know if we can, but I'm really, I would love to see that. Um, I'd also love to see, and this is, I, I'm forgetting this artist's name too, um, but he's an outsider artist. I cannot remember his name. And he made this kind of like little village. It's like this collection of, of structures that's all made out of like bottles. I'd love to see that. Um, oh, I'd love to go back to, um, I, right after I, I graduated from college, I went, um, I had a trip to Europe with some friends and we went to Barcelona and I saw Gaudi's buildings and oh, oh yeah, it's like amazing. But you know, I wasn't really making much art back then. I'd mm -hmm. love to go back now, having sort of like being in the midst of doing the work that I'm doing because one of the things that I'd love to do in the future is actually make a structure and just like, you know, treat the whole thing as, a sculpture and an installation like like everything you know um so i'd love to go back and look at gaudi's work and just see because he does that you know so yeah when when you when you talk about structure are you are you talking about a a structure that lives inside of a building inside of a gallery space or a physical like this is existing in the world large building size structure i would love to do both so okay so yes i want to make something that exists out in the world you know and it like you know has its own plot of land and i want to do the landscaping and i want to do the like everything you know and it's just you know it's there but um i would also love to to make a structure within a structure so there's the building museum in dc right mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've ever gone there, but I, when I saw it, I didn't read anything about it. Um, I think my husband, Joe, was just sort of like looking at museums. He's like, oh, there's a building museum. And I immediately in my mind was like, oh my God, it's a museum where it's just sort of like buildings within buildings, within buildings, within buildings, you know? So in my, I, I was just like, this museum is just made up of essentially like facades and it's like a maze and it's like a facade and then another facade within that and then another facade within that. You I've know, never heard of this museum. That's amazing. No, but that's not what it is at all. I, just, oh. <laughs> I was just like, that's what this museum is, you know? And then we went there and it was not that at all. It was just a museum about buildings. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it's a beautiful museum, but I was just like, oh man, I'm a little let down by that. You know, but um, yeah, I, I like your vision a lot more than, than <laughs> that. 
I mean, I don't know why I thought that because it's totally illogical. Who would make a museum like that? It probably <laughs> breaks every like safety code in the world, you know, um, but I was just like, I'd love to see something like that. Have you been to the Visionary Art Museum in Baltimore? You know, this is embarrassing. I have not. Um, if I remember correctly, it's been several years since I've been there, um, but they actually have or had um, kind of an installation of a bunch of facades of Baltimore townhouses. Um, and then they had the painted screens and everything like that. So that's kind of speaking to that same idea that, that, you, that you're talking about this building within a building that looks like yeah. it's outside, but it's a set kind of almost, but yeah. it's building that facade. Um, so that's, that's definitely really interesting. Now I'm constantly thinking about that museum. I want to go to that museum that you just thought of um, <laughs> in your head. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll have an opportunity to do it and then I'll let you know. Um, so in times of COVID, um, I'm really curious to, to, to hear your perspective on working on work that is su supposed to activate a space where people are to interact with it um, because mm -hmm. we're not interacting with anyone <laughs> at this time. So how are you actually thinking about your work and, and has that changed in terms of kind of constructing these areas that people are supposed to interact with, but there's no real timeline to when they can actually do that? Um, what's that like in the studio? Well, so I think I have like two sort of like branches of answers to that. So mm -hmm. this, this project that I'm working on in the studio, I started working on that pre-COVID. Um, sort of, because it's hard to work on things during the semester. So I've been working on it during like the breaks, you know? Um, but that uh, was sort of like, I guess commissioned by the BMA for an exhibition that they plan to have first uh, kind of like in the fall. And then obviously that is was not feasible. So then it got moved to like uh, spring, you know, so upcoming. And then now that's kind of like, like iffy, you know, mm -hmm. um, so that might get moved a little bit further down the line. Um, so I knew that it was going to be a physical show if it happens, fingers crossed, you know. <laughs> um, so like that hasn't really shifted so much, um, like how I was thinking about the work because, you know, it, it needed to be physical for a specific mm -hmm. space, you know, but um, the reason why there is this kind of like projection, which is a new element, like I haven't really worked with uh, projection or moving image before, um, is because uh, when we went online, um, so like I said, I, you know, we both teach at Micah, right? And when we moved online, I was doing this experimental drawing class and I needed to shift uh, my syllabus a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. So I started focusing, like doing some research uh, more on like kind of drawings that uh, could, I don't know, like, like net-based art, you know, which were yeah. so graphic, um, but lived online or, and then that kind of led me to uh, being really interested in like, oh, look at all of these like amazing video artists, you know, and like, oh my God, look at these animations. These like 3D uh -huh. animations are incredible, you know? And then I started like, you know, I was on Instagram and I started seeing more of these kind of like um, animators and video artists um, doing incredible work. And then 
I started looking at Mary Reed Kelly and Pat Kelly and their um, uh, artist duo and their video artists as well as installation artists as well as kind of like I, I feel like they're actually also really based in drawing so that was really interesting and I got really kind of like impacted by their work um, and so having to do that for school, moving that online, moved my kind of like research um, more towards kind of like, like virtual spaces, you know, mm -hmm. um, digital uh, uh, image making. Um, so after that, like, you know, once the semester ended and summer began, um, I had time to, I got, you know, I did some research and I was like, what is the most approachable uh, 3D uh, software that I can use where I can make 3D objects, but also animate them. And it came down to like, uh, I think it's like Blender, Maya and Cinema 4D. And Maya and Blender, I was just like, I cannot handle this. This is like way too complicated for me. But Cinema 4D was super approachable and there were a ton of resources. There are a ton of resources online. And Maxon, the, the company that uh, 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 distributes this, that, that created it, um, they do like seminars and stuff like that. And they put everything on YouTube. And so I was just like, okay, I'm gonna focus on this and this. I started doing these kind of like digital animations, you know, um, 3D animations, and I love it. It's so much fun. And so over the summer, um, for a chunk of the summer, I actually did a lot of work um, on the computer, you know? Um, and that worked its way into this installation that I'm doing for the BMA. And that's how the projection, um, like the video projection with sort of animation elements in it um, mm -hmm. sort of came to pass. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, it's the studio and the classroom kind of like coming together. Um, yeah. Do you see these digital pieces existing as both kind of uh object in that digital sphere in that digital realm and the projection or is it just a vehicle that got to the projection um hmm. i i do see i'm not so i would like to see the 3d animations and those 3d objects as their own thing you know mm -hmm. but i'm not I need to I need to learn more about it and just become a little more skilled with it before mm -hmm. they can stand on their own. I think they're working well um, as elements for the video, um, you know. But I, I would never, and I think they're fun experiments, you know. But I don't think that right now they have enough sort of integrity to hold themselves up. There's a lot of uh, openness in, in what you do. If you don't know how to do something, you're just like, yes, I need to figure this out and, and I'm going to go ahead and do it. And how can I bring these ideas together to create the best possible product? How important is that, um, that openness to you? And do you believe that it's something that more artists should be kind of uh, open to, for lack of a better term? Yeah, absolutely. It's incredibly important to me. Um, I will say that it, I only started really thinking that way. Um, I guess towards the end of grad school, I started opening up to that because I had a really rough crit. Um, mm -hmm. And the thing that I took away from that was that my thinking was too rigid, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so I made an effort to uh, kind of be a little more open, a little more experimental, let things be open ended, you know, and 
be okay with working within a, a space of the unknown. And I think that naturally led me to um, this kind of like, kind of like obsession. I think my husband has called it an obsession with learning new skills. Um, and then it started becoming really fun, you know? Um, and then after that, after I was just like, you know what, I can, I can think beyond my skill sets because I can always try and learn what I need to learn to accomplish what I want to accomplish, you know, mm -hmm. um, like it really started to open up my practice. And I think I started thinking much more broadly about what I could do, you know, and then that had an effect on the content that I was working with as well. Mm. Um, so everything just kind of like, like broadened up, you know, um, yeah. so it's incredibly like liberating, you know, um, and I think it's really important as uh, sort of creative makers, uh, it's really important for us to be open to learning new skill sets, to rejuvenating what we do in the studio, you know, because mm -hmm. I do think things can become stale or, and I think that happens, um, like one of the reasons at least that happens is because you gain perhaps like there's just too much understanding of what you're doing and it's not, you know, you're just kind of like going over ground that you, you've trod upon already you know mm -hmm. and like you need to do something new you know um yeah. so i think i think it, it is very important i i agree with that completely um so many i feel like so many artists burn themselves out by not being open and not trying to pivot within their own work or their own studio practice um with your openness to all these materials and moving into installation and kind of getting bigger and bigger in scale how do you set those boundaries for yourself in order to say okay now it's done uh, but before it gets too much and just um inaccessible mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so i think so far like my scale has been going up slowly, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think I've actually hit a point yet where I've been like, oh, this is too much um, in terms of like, just looking at the work itself. Um, I'm usually limited by time, you know? <laughs> um, so I, I'm, once I get going with a project and I get a, I get a feeling, a sense for um, like the labor that's involved in, in making something, mm -hmm. um, and I know how much time I have to do something, then that sets a limitation for me. Um, and I have a hard time knowing when something is finished. I actually don't think I've ever done anything that I've been like, this is totally finished, you know? Um, maybe that's something that a lot of people share. I don't know, mm -hmm. but um, like that is, that is kind of like a really challenging point. And I, I think I got this again from a visiting artist uh, from grad school, but um, there was a comment someone made where it was like, you don't actually ever really finish a work. You just get to a good stopping point and there are various stopping points. And then if you move beyond that, you need to find the next one, you know? Um, so that's kind of like, that was resonant with me. So I've just kind of like kept that in my head. That's, that's really great advice. Um, and with that being said, this idea of advice, um, this is one question I like to ask every guest that's, that's been on the show so far. Um, what is one piece of advice you have received and one piece of advice that you would like to pass on to a kind of rising generation of creatives? Oh my gosh. Okay. 
I don't know if I would encourage anyone to take advice from me, which is <laughs> considering we're like, you know, teaching. <laughs> but, um, so the best advice I got was, well, okay. So, well, that stopping point thing, I don't know if that was advice, but that was, that was really helpful, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that, so Francis uh, Barth, my, um, the director of Mount Royal when I was there um, for grad school, uh, I was freaking out about thesis um, because it was like, I think I had like a month and a half or something like that before I had to install and I had nothing. I literally had nothing um, to put in and I was just like, I was flipping out. And she had to come in and like calm me down. Um, and she was just like, you know what? Uh, don't worry about it. You know, like you just do the work. And if you do, if you do the work, you'll have something to show. You know, even if it's just sort of like a collection of weirdo experiments. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so that the way I interpreted that was that it's it's about the work. It's not about like in the end, it's not really about the product. The work gets you to where you want to go. It's about that sort of like the process, you know, the process generates ideas. The process generates interesting artifacts. Like all of that happens in the process. And then like, that's the work, you know? And so, um, yeah, so that was like excellent advice. And I have said that um, to some of my students, um, like, since then. Um, I think that was like, yeah, so that was, that was incredibly wonderful to hear, you know, and then there's, there's a lot of talk, um, uh, again, in school, and then since getting out about just being like resilient, you know, um, and I think that's kind of like, uh, timeless advice, but it's really good, you know, um, it's just that thing about like, you know, failure is not a bad thing, you know, um, that it can be a pivot point, a learning experience, you know, um, there's always kind of like, it's a half, uh, a glass half full kind of like philosophy, you know, but, um, and, and that idea of like failure being, um, a stage for, for progress, um, I think is, is a really wonderful, just kind of like philosophy to have as a creative, individual you know I love that I love that and I think that's kind of the perfect place to to start to wrap this up so uh Cindy um if there uh if there are people that are out there looking to see your work where might they be able to find it I post a lot on Instagram (laughs) so you can look on my Instagram and I actually I I use uh my account to mostly like as a gateway into my studio. Um, so I post a lot of progress images um, as well as like images from shows and stuff like that. Um, so uh, yeah, Instagram's a great place. I have a website, but I'm not super good at sort of upkeeping that. Um, Cause I always like, I, I update something um, and then and then I don't for a while and then I have to relearn how to do that. And it's just like- I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I have a, hopefully a show upcoming at the BMA. Um, I'm not sure exactly uh, what the timeline is for that at this point, um, but uh, I can always keep you posted on that if you would like. Yeah, yeah that would be great. That would be great. Um, so thank you so much for being on the show. I, I really enjoyed this. I loved having you on, getting a little insight into your creative mind, into the work. Um, so thank you so much for being a part of this project. Thank you for inviting me. Um, Who doesn't like talking about themselves for a while, right?
<laughs> All right, Cindy. Well, I will see you later. And everyone, make sure you check in next week for our next episode. All right. See ya. Bye. Thank you. Bye.